Hi there. This is called Mind Control. With John Hall. Mind Control Guinea Pigs with John Hall. Thanks for 320k, even if it's just law enforcement. At least pigs are going to learn something. Um, by the way, I'm against uh, Black Ops and the Black Budget, which is half of the, more than half of the national budget. And totally un, um, either I police turn the camera on and monitored basic hump by the public. talking about McGill University. He's a medical doctor from San Antonio, Texas, and the author of Satellite Terrorism in America. His new book is Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control. He is also an active member of the Mind Science Foundation, dedicated to the study of human consciousness, and he sits on the medical committee of the human rights organization, Freedom from Covert Harassment and Surveillance. Yeah. So today we pick his brain on the eye of the sky. And I want to start by asking you about what does it mean to be a targeted individual? There's a subset of the population right now that are complaining of targeting, uh, specifically being followed everywhere they go, um, on to the extent of hearing voices, suffering from directed energy attacks, um, really weird happenings in their life that are unexplainable by any other normal means. Um, it seems to be experimentation probably at its root. Mm -hmm. So, well, I want to get into the government history of it, but I want to talk about your personal history first and foremost, because uh, you have personal experience with this, and that's what I believe got you interested in the subject, no? That's exactly it. Um, I, I had a uh, ex-fiancé that came to me uh, voicing some of these really odd phenomena. Um, no history of mental illness, uh, no history of drug use or alcohol use. So I had no reason not to believe that something was going on. She was being followed by people she didn't know. Uh, was hearing voices around her describing her whereabouts and uh, in her locations. So um, she was scared to go to anybody else. She trusted me, so she came to me, and we counter-surveilled her. Uh, I actually set up counter-surveillance measures, including people following her around to see who was following her. And indeed, she was being followed around by a group of private investigators, uh, a company that was owned and operated by a former FBI agent. Um, they had uh, rented condominiums on either side of her, uh, were drugging uh, her food and water with rohypnol, um, committing sexual assaults, essentially kind of using her as a, as a sex slave. Mm. Um, uh, we did uh, get all the information on the plate numbers, information on the entity that was doing the following, doing the stalking, went to the police. At that time, the Texas state laws on stalking were not that great. Uh, you had to prove bodily injury before you could get a restraining order. And certainly, if you're former FBI or if you're a licensed PI, 
uh, there was almost nothing you could do. A combination of uh, our case and another case where a victim actually was murdered by her stalker were um, what got the stalking laws in Texas changed to where now if you notice the same person following you twice, you can actually get a restraining order against them. So at the time, since I seemed to, we couldn't get any help from law enforcement, decided to basically write the story of my first book, uh, A New Breed, uh, Satellite Terrorism in America, uh, basically to expose that it's going on. Well, unbeknownst to me, once I did a couple of radio shows introducing the book, was bombarded with thousands and thousands of emails of people describing the exact type of stalking in other cities. So in terms of your experience, you say these guys are former FBI agents, uh, but there was no government control apparatus that you noticed that seemed to be simply former government agents who were utilizing instruments and power that had been allocated to them from their previous job. Well, I mean, I, I think they're still holding clearances because you, you know, you. This isn't technology that you and I can can Google and and get a passcode and be able to access. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have a clearance to do this. And I think after some of the initial mind control studies uh, through MK Ultra and other. Um, programs, you know, we had the Rockefeller Commission, we had the church committee hearings, you know, they kind of got their hands slapped, so I think they've kind of moved it into the private sector, basically using subcontractors. As you know, there's there's more people with clearances now outside government than there are inside. Precisely. The privatization of power has been tremendous. Now, you say, you mentioned certain surveillance instruments that they had to utilize uh, government clearances to access what type, because you mentioned Rehypnol and you know, basic gang stockings, but what uh, technologies were they using? The, te the technology that appears that they're using is a, a form of technology called remote neural monitoring. Uh, and if you look back in the 70s, they worked on this early in the 70s as a way to monitor pilots, where you shoot two dissimilar frequencies into the brain. Each hemisphere will entrain a different frequency. When those two hemispheres with two different frequencies compete, they spit out an interference frequency. And then it was found that you could actually decode the EEG out of that interference frequency. The intended, at least the alleged intended use, was to monitor pilots for hallucinations and delusions and, uh, and sleepiness. That way you could buzz them uh, to wake them back up when they're flying these 48-hour sorties during wartime. Well, once they figured out that you could actually entrain that EEG and cause changes in mindfulness, changes in attitude, changes in emotion, it began being used to uh, on those parameters. Um, Kind of one of the earliest forms we saw of it was actually the um, woodpecker signal at the embassy in Moscow, where they noticed that every time Nixon went there, you'd have emotional disturbances, emotional breakdowns. And they figured out that certain elf wave signals specifically can entrain into the brain. And one way to think of it is having a, a EEG catalog of different EEG waveforms that correspond to um, you know emotional states of depression or anger, you know, and once you entrain the brain with that EEG, then that person will demonstrate that state of emotion. So you're saying they can not only monitor the emotional state, but actually program the emotional state into the person exactly. remotely. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, and along with that also comes the ability to communicate, because it was actually found that using microwave energy and using elf wave technology that you could actually communicate with someone in a pseudo-telepathic kind of way. There's Two things that you'll hear from victims, and uh, we saw this with my ex-fiancee that I wrote about, that not only would she hear voices in her head, like many of the target individuals here, but she would hear voices in her surroundings that seem to be amplified by vibrations. And that's the most common thing you see with a lot of these targeted individuals. They'll describe that when I'm underneath a ceiling fan, I'll, I'll hear voices in the ceiling fan or voice patterning. 
one of the first things we noticed is in aquarium pumps, running water actually has a strong vibratory source to amplify you know, incoming transmissions. And you could hear voice patterning and then over time with enough concentration actually hear the communication. Oddly, this seems to be person specific. So even though the person sitting right next to you may actually hear these voices and hear these communications, you may not sitting right next to them. It it's, uh, still seems to be magnitude and frequency specific to the individual. Right, right. Obviously, we are basically water and various molecules that are vibrating at certain frequencies. So the, the idea is if they can figure out sort of your basic frequency, operating frequency for your brain, then they it's can, specific to they you. can get specific into targeting you. Yeah. Then my question then would be why your fiance, because it would seem it would be costly for these ex-FBI uh, guys to basically just be harassing her and monitoring her just for sexual purposes, no? Yeah, and I think the, that's a common question. You know, we, and that's what every targeted individual hears eventually. Why you? Mm -hmm. uh, I think at its root, it's not consensual experimentation. Mm -hmm. I think that's why you're seeing it so widespread. Um, as you know, they'll tend to pick common folks uh, to do this kind of work on. If you look at MK Ultra and any of the other mind control experimentations, they they didn't pick people who were had political clout or who had financial clout. They picked the common people who have no way to fight back and don't have the contacts in order to stop it. So I think the best way to explain it is there are individual groups in every major city that have access to the technology. I think they're allowed carte blanche to use it however they want to use it as long as the data gets back to the agencies that are responsible for actually giving the release. Mm -hmm. So the idea would be that this is basic, there's a long history of abuse by the U.S. government whether it's the FBI and surveillance and monitoring of, of targeted populations and individuals, right? Oh, without and question. counterintelligence programs to basically discredit people more from political perspectives to the CIA uh, and NSA doing various types of monitoring and intelligence gathering. But you're saying beyond that, there's also a history of actual experimentation by the government on the population, correct? Oh, yeah. We, the, the U.S. government has experimented on the population. There's no laws against the government experimenting on the population. John Glenn tried to pass legislation through Congress that was shot down. <clears throat> Most people will focus on the Nuremberg Code or the Helsinki Accord and say, well, these are the safeguards against the, uh, a tyrannical government experimenting on the public. Those are suggestions. Those aren't American law. They're not United States legislation. So the bottom line is there, there are no safeguards. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had the bioethics commissions that were held uh, six different meetings after they found out that uh, Nicaraguans were experimented on with weaponized uh, syphilis bacteria and gonorrhea bacteria. Oh my God! And the purpose of the Bioethics Commission was to determine if any non-consensual experimentation was still ongoing, sponsored by the United States, either here or abroad. Well, I spoke at one of these meetings, and they had a public forum. Are you being mind controlled? narrative to explore the hidden truths. I'm your host, Sean Stone, and joining me today is Dr. John Hall. He is a medical doctor from San Antonio, Texas, and the author of Satellite Terrorism in America. His new book is Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control. He is also an active member of the Mind Science Foundation, dedicated to the study of human consciousness, and he sits on the medical committee of the human rights organization, Freedom from Covert Harassment and Surveillance. So today we pick his brain on the eye in the sky, and I want to start by asking you about what does it mean to be a targeted individual? 
there's a subset of the population right now that are complaining of targeting, uh, specifically being followed everywhere they go, um, on to the extent of hearing voices, suffering from directed energy attacks. Um, really this is going to stop when I'm president. Unexplainable by any other normal means. Um, it seems to be experimentation probably at its root. Mm. So well, I want to get into the government history of it, but I want to talk about your personal history first and foremost because uh, you have personal experience with this, and that's what I believe got you interested in the subject, no? That's exactly it. Um, I, I had an uh, ex-fiancé that came to me uh, voicing some of these really odd phenomena. Um, no history of mental illness, uh, no history of drug use or alcohol use. So I had no reason not to believe that something was going on. She was being followed by people she didn't know, uh, was hearing voices around her describing her whereabouts and uh, in her locations. So um, she was scared to go to anybody else. She trusted me, so she came to me, and we counter-surveilled her. Uh, I actually set up counter-surveillance measures, including people following her around to see who was following her. And indeed, she was being followed around by a group of private investigators, uh, a company that was owned a former FBI agent. Um, they had uh, rented condominiums on either side of her, uh, were drugging uh, her food and water with rohypnol, um, committing sexual assaults, essentially kind of using her as a, as a sex slave. Oh, my God. Uh, get all the information on the plate numbers, information on the entity that was doing the following, doing the stalking. Went to the police. At that time, the Texas state laws on stalking were not that great. Uh, you had to prove bodily injury before you could get a restraining order. And certainly if you're former FBI or if you're a licensed PI, uh, there was almost nothing you could do. A combination of uh, our case and another case where a, a victim actually was murdered by her stalker were um, what got the stalking laws in Texas changed to where now if you notice the same person following you twice, you can actually get a restraining order against them. So at the time, since I seemed to, we couldn't get any help from law enforcement, decided to basically write the story of my first book, uh, A New Breed, uh, Satellite Terrorism in America, uh, basically to expose that it's going on. Well, unbeknownst to me, once I did a couple of radio shows introducing the book, was bombarded with thousands and thousands of emails of people describing the exact type of stalking in other cities. So in terms of your experience, you said these guys are former FBI agents, uh, but there was no government control apparatus that you noticed that seemed to be simply former government agents who were utilizing instruments and power that had been allocated to them from their previous job. Well, I mean, I, I think they're still holding clearances because you, you know, you this isn't technology that you and I can can Google and and get a passcode and be able to access. Mm. You know, you have to have a clearance to do this. And I think after some of the initial mind control studies uh, through MK Ultra and other um, programs, you know, you, we had the Rockefeller Commission, we had the church committee hearings, you know, they kind of got their hands slapped, so I think they've kind of moved it into the private sector, basically using subcontractors. As you know, there's there's more people with clearances now outside government than there are inside. Precisely. The privatization of power has been tremendous. Now, you say, you mentioned certain surveillance instruments that they had to utilize uh, government clearances to access what type, because you mentioned hypnol and you know, basic gang stalking, but what te technologies were they using? The, te the technology that appears that they're using is a, a form of technology called remote neural monitoring. Uh, and if you look back in the 70s, they worked on this early in the 70s as a way to monitor pilots, where you shoot two dissimilar frequencies into the brain. Each hemisphere will entrain a different frequency. When those two hemispheres with two different frequencies compete, they spit out an interference frequency. 
then it was found that you could actually decode the EEG out of that interference frequency. The intended, at least the alleged intended use, was to monitor pilots for hallucinations and delusions and, uh, and sleepiness. That way you could buzz them uh, to wake them back up when they're flying these 48-hour sorties during wartime. Well, once they figured out that you could actually entrain that EEG and cause changes in mindfulness, changes in attitude, changes in emotion, it began being used to uh, on those parameters. Um, kind of one of the earliest forms we saw of it was actually the um, woodpecker signal at the embassy in Moscow where they noticed that every time Nixon went there you'd have emotional disturbances, emotional breakdowns. And they figured out that certain elf wave signals specifically can entrain into the brain. Any one way to think of it is having a, a EEG catalog of different EEG waveforms that correspond to um, you know, emotional states of depression or anger, you know, and once you entrain the brain with that EEG, then that person will demonstrate that state of emotion. So you're saying they can only monitor the emotional state, but actually program the emotional state into the person exactly. remotely. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, and along with that also comes the ability to communicate, because it was actually found that using microwave energy and using elf wave technology that you could actually communicate with someone in a pseudo-telepathic kind of way. There's two things that you'll hear from victims, and uh, we saw this with my ex-fiance that I wrote about, that not only would she hear voices in her head, like many of the target individuals here, but she would hear voices in her surroundings that seem to be amplified by vibrations. And that's the most common thing you see with a lot of these targeted individuals. They'll describe that when I'm underneath a ceiling fan, I'll, I'll hear voices in the ceiling fan or voice patterning. <clears throat> One of the first things we noticed is in aquarium pumps, running water actually has a strong vibratory source to amplify you know, incoming transmissions. And you could hear voice patterning and then over time with enough concentration actually hear the communication. Oddly, this seems to be person specific. So even though the person sitting right next to you may actually hear these voices and hear these communications, you may not sitting right next to them. It it's, uh, still seems to be magnitude and frequency specific to the individual. Right, right. Obviously, we are basically water and various molecules that are vibrating at certain frequencies. So the, the idea is if they can figure out sort of your basic frequency, operating frequency for your brain, then they, it's can, specific they can get specific into targeting you. Yeah. Then my question then would be why your fiancé, because it would seem it would be costly for these ex-FBI uh, guys to basically just be harassing her and monitoring her just for sexual purposes, no? Yeah, and I think the, that's a common question. You know, we, and that's what every target individual hears eventually. Why you? Mm -hmm. um, I think at its root, it's non-consensual experimentation. Mm -hmm. I think that's why you're seeing it so widespread. Um, as you know, they'll tend to pick common folks uh, to do this kind of work on. If you look at MKUltra or any of the other mind control experimentations, they, they didn't pick people who were had political clout or who had financial clout. They picked the common people who have no way to fight back and don't have the contacts in order to stop it. So I think the best way to explain it is there are individual groups in every major city that have access to the technology. I think they're allowed carte blanche to use it however they want to use it as long as the data gets back to the agencies that are responsible for actually giving the release. Mm -hmm. So the idea would be that this is basic, there's a long history of abuse by the U.S. government whether it's the FBI and surveillance and monitoring of, of targeted populations and individuals, right? Oh, without and question. counterintelligence programs to basically discredit people more from political perspectives to the CIA uh, and NSA doing various types of monitoring 
and intelligence gathering, but you're saying beyond that, there's also a history of actual experimentation by the government on the population, correct? Oh, yeah. We, the, the U.S. government has experimented on the population. There's no laws against the government experimenting on the population. John Glenn tried to pass legislation through Congress that was shot down. <clears throat> Most people will focus on the Nuremberg Code or the Helsinki Accord and say, well, these are the safeguards against a, uh, a tyrannical government experimenting on the public. Those are suggestions. Those aren't American law. They're not United States legislation. So the bottom line is there, there are no safeguards. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had the Bioethics Commissions that were held uh, six different meetings after they found out that uh, Nicaraguans were experimented on with weaponized uh, syphilis bacteria and gonorrhea bacteria. And the purpose of the Bioethics Commission was to determine if any non-consensual experimentation was still ongoing, sponsored by the United States, either here or abroad. Well, I spoke at one of these meetings, and they had a public forum in each one. Each public forum had over a 1,000 people, and all of them were voicing complaints of mind control technology and directed energy attacks. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day, they basically said that there was no evidence uh, of any ongoing non-consensual experimentation. You know, despite having those kind of numbers showing up, complaining of just that. Well, what are the numbers you've seen as far as people across the across America uh, seem to be targeted and are, are not just coming out of a mental hospital or have a history of mental health, but genuine, genuinely have is, having issues of being targeted as far as you know, whether it's private or private companies or potentially government behind it. What do the numbers look like? Based on um, Survey, uh, surveys that we've done through freedom from uh, freedom from surveillance and uh, harassment, and other human rights groups, it looks to be about anywhere from 200 to 300 thousand people in the United States. Now that's just in the United States. I get emails from people globally, and messages to the office you know, from people globally every day. So this is a global problem, and I think every industrialized nation probably has worked on this technology or derived it from us. Um, yeah. to work on their own program. And there's obviously there's precedent, there's historical precedent. We talked, you mentioned MKUltra, and obviously Army Tuskegee experiments on, on black people, you know, ingesting them with syphilis, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, so what is what is it that, uh, I mean, what would, the, what would be your main uh, go-to arguments historically for the main precedent that people could say, oh, this doesn't happen. Well, look at these cases, what are the main ones? Well, and that's the argument I lay out in, the, in my latest book, Guinea Pig. The first yeah, and what about... What about the um... well, experimentation in our country? Um, we long experimented on, you know, children in homes for the Operation Ill, Paper uh, Clip. Some of the earliest forms, at least this technology. Because we, the CIA and um, NASA, by the way, were started. Their their first heads were. Nazi scientists that the U.S. government gave a clean record to and put in positions of power. So, yeah, they set up a fucking gazpacho in, in America. You were actually on prisoners in Utah State Prison, uh, where we had five prisoners that talked about actually having voices placed in their head. They were placed in a, a room by themselves where they described that the electromagnetic energy in the room was so heavy that they had a hard time getting off their cots. One particular prisoner said that it was very evident that the voices he was hearing in his head were responding appropriately to his thoughts. This was in the 70s and, and early 80s. Um, and then you mentioned MKUltra. That all came out in Freedom of Information. Those were 189 sub-projects, all 
ear to trying to figure out how to remotely control a human being. Uh, and it was complete research. It was research based on childhood behavior all the way up through brain implantation that Delgado did. Mm -hmm. So they didn't really miss any facet of, of experimenting on or research. We need a law human tick against this well shit. Control a human. We didn't know most of the MKL uh, work because most of it was shredded, I believe. Was only, most I of it was shredded. Yeah, what we what we did get Fuck were the you. records. That's what they were. They were they were housed in a different tyrannical government being shredded. So we did get to see what front companies were created and what universities were taking part in. Name them. Like legitimate research at the time. Mm -hmm. Interesting thing is now we have the new brain initiative where they're going to finish mapping the brain allegedly. And a lot of that research is being done at McGill University in Canada, which McGill University was one of the big players with MKUltra. So I don't think that's any coincidence either. Absolutely. So Snowden came out with this, these disclosures a few years ago saying, well, the NSA is using private is accessing private companies' uh, data on people, right, whether it be emails or uh, phone companies or whatnot, and collecting and surveilling you that way. And they can also access your computer and turn your camera on. I mean, very basic common sense things for anyone who understood how the intelligence community works. And this was basically a big surprise. But this seems to be the tip of the iceberg because these guys are far beyond just surveilling us. It seems to be there at the place of being able to surveil and actually try to mind control, manipulate us. Snowden did us a big favor uh, by releasing that. Yeah, he, uh, it was stuff that I think is... They don't want you to hear this, so I'm going to uh, split it into mind control guinea pigs with John Hall. You know, sit at a computer and look at your emails and see that, you know, somebody's reading and erasing your emails as you're looking at them. Mm -hmm. uh, we found out about the interdiction program uh, through him, essentially where our computers and our phones are interdicted by the NSA and pre-installed uh, with software and chips that allow them to be monitored. Um, even if you look at some of the relationships that um, the providers like Google and at and The NSA is right across the street. They're basically... You know, Mind your own fucking business. And even though I've spoken mostly about satellite-directed energy weapons and things like that, it's growing. There's growing knowledge that a lot of this is being done through our cell phones, too. I don't think it's a mystery that the government wanted to make sure that uh, the population was actually, you know, allowed or, or given smartphones if they didn't already have them. Because the technology that's in the smartphone now is there's a lot of ways to monitor you through the phone and track you through the phone. Um, as well too certainly gps on your phone i mean and most of you're the, the criminals fuck faces so it would seem actually the private corporations um could be utilizing as much of the uh basically the techniques for surveillance and uh social control as the government because the corporations would want to, would want to use it for marketing purposes and for sales and profit purposes well even more than gps they have uh, systems now that can actually monitor you in a wi-fi grid you know, and that's through your phone. As long as you're, even if your phone is not, you know, connected to where you're looking for a Wi-Fi signal, it still will send push notifications to your phone and can monitor your whereabouts based on an existing Wi-Fi grid. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called Wi-Fi tracking, and it's very popular right now, especially in stores, because that way, as you walk down the aisles, they know what aisle you're on, and they know what ad to push to you to make you interested in buying whatever product may be that on that aisle. The other big one through cell phone technology now is called Bluetooth Low Energy Beacons. Uh, and that's where they actually constantly um, uh, manipulate your Bluetooth signal to be able to track you spatially. So, But it seems that people, part of the reason I, I feel that the uh, millennials 
didn't really respond that much to Snowden's revelations is because we've already surrendered our right to privacy. That's very much the basis of the various apps like the Instagrams and Snapchats and uh, the whole nature of social media. I mean, it goes back to the creation of Facebook where some people some people suggested the CIA may have been involved because CIA was asking at that point for a way for people to basically uh, put their you know, their, their social political beliefs in a, in a basic hub and locate themselves, and that's what Facebook does, right? So do you see it as that basically we've, we've surrendered to this complete control apparatus? Uh, certainly, probably anybody under the age of 40, uh, or most under the age of 40. Uh, you're right. I think uh, um, Facebook uh, specifically was, was started with money from NQTEL, which is a venture capital firm for the CIA. I think it was a data mining tool from the beginning, and how perfect is it? You know, they don't have to research you or do any any high-profile counter-surveillance or surveillance. You're giving them all the information they know. Um, the interesting thing where is you are comment about the younger generation already kind of giving up is I do lectures on right to privacy. One of the first things I tell people: don't put all your information about your whereabouts and what you're doing on Facebook and and online. And the most typical answer I get from a younger population is. What's it matter? The government knows everything already. They, you're right. They've already essentially given up. Mm-hmm. But beyond mind your own fucking business. Is, you know, one thing, obviously, okay, we're we're in a we're NSA. Now you're listening. To, know, to communicate, to know each other's whereabouts. There is that. Okay, there's some level of knowledge, but then there's a different use of you know of these mind control technologies and whatnot. And I want to ask, what does satellite terrorism mean? Because you talk about this idea of satellite terrorism and using uh, energy weapons against us, the population. So, what is, you know, how does that play a role in what these corporations and the government are trying Stop to do? Terrorizing the population. the population. Well, I think we call it that, or the, the title of the book was uh, listed as that, is because I think anytime you're being attacked by something, uh, and there's absolutely no reason for it. I guess, you know, a an account can be made for if you were a whistleblower, you know, and your own, you know, agency comes after you or something. But most of the people I deal with are common people. They're, you know, doctors, lawyers, janitors, teachers. You know, they're 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 from the common ranks. They're not radical political opponents of the government. They're not out trying to overthrow the government. Most of the people I've dealt with don't even vote, um, yet they're being experimented on. So I think the reason we chose the term terrorism because they're having pain inflicted on them and actually. Uh, having you know, people try to manipulate their belief systems through surveillance and attack against their will, which by definition, you know, is is terrorism, and it's being done by our government on its own. Yeah, you hear that, NSA? So that was the reason for the title of the book, the, my first book, uh, because I don't think you're anyone would recognize this as, you know, I, I'm I'm doing this for the greater good, for the the surveillance state, or or for security. I mean, these people are being tortured. If you uh, talk to any any of them. Hear Fucking tortures. Um, sitting at home, they lose their jobs. When they do try to, you know, confide in their physicians, they're usually sent to a psychiatrist. They'll bring in all their research, and where there's obviously three or four different technological ways to put voices in somebody's head, mm-hmm. but all the psychiatrist hears is you're hearing voices. Right. You know, and and we've been all trained to understand that well, if you're hearing voices, you're mentally ill. They never ask what the voices are saying, yeah. because these people aren't describing. God talking to them or angels talking to them. 
They're describing somebody letting them know that they know their whereabouts spatially. Mm. Typically what they say the voices say is, okay, we, you're, you're walking down the hallway, you're going into the store, you know, you're getting in your car. It's, they make it very obvious to the target that they're being surveilled. Mm -hmm. um, but the psychiatrist won't hear that. You know, the psychiatrist, they focus on your hearing voices, right. let's rope you into a monthly visit and put you on some drugs. So beyond the issue of mass control of the population and using these terrorism techniques for experimentation, I wonder when I see some of these mass shooters, I think of the Sarnia brothers or uh, James Holmes, Adam Lanza, um, and how checked out they look when I see their pictures, right? These kids look completely vacant, their eyes are vacant. And given the history of MKUltra and given the way that we know government can, and, and these private corporations in conjunction with government can uh, basically project voices and terrorize and target people, possible that some of these uh, mass shooters or terrorists have been mind control? Oh, I don't think it's possible. I think it's happened. Uh, as a matter of fact, two of them I can, I can point to you. Aaron Alexis, um, the Navy Yard shooter, he had been in contact with Freedom for Information several times, uh, had complained about the voices in his head, had complained about being stalked and being followed. Uh, his biggest complaint was the sleep deprivation they were causing on him. Uh, as you remember, when he went on a shooting rampage, he carved, this is my ELF on the side of his shotgun. The FBI and their release said it was a cryptic message that they didn't understand that why he put that on the end of his shotgun or the side of his shotgun, when in reality that wasn't, probably wasn't a crazy. This is my whatever? I and their release said it was a cryptic message that they didn't understand that why he when he went on a shooting rampage, he carved this is my ELF weapon on the side of his shotgun. The FBI and their release said it was a this is my ELF way. causing on him. Uh, as you remember, when he went on a shooting rampage, he carved this is my ELF weapon on the side of his shotgun. The FBI and their release said my it was a cryptic message weapon. that they didn't understand that why he put that on the end of his shotgun or the side of his shotgun, when in reality that wasn't probably wasn't a crazy guy going amok at the Navy or that was a vengeance shooting. Uh, he had a clearance. He worked um, loosely near the technology uh, with IT. Um, he thought that some of the research was being done at the Navy Yard and that was a vengeance shooting. ELF meaning like extremely low frequency. Extremely low frequency waves, yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of research has been done in extremely low frequency waves and their ability to interact with the nervous system. Mm -hmm. um, another shooter was uh, Myron May at the University of Florida. This was a man educated, uh, had been uh, a prosecuting attorney in uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico, had uh, moved to Florida to start a new practice there. Uh, There's a red truck and, over uh, there. Started a, a shooting at the University of Florida. Well, before he went and did the shooting, he actually had sent out uh, USB uh, sticks to several different people with sort of his manifesto and his reason for doing it. Albeit, I don't agree with the reasoning. His reasoning was that he had to do something really horrible to garner media attention to the problem. I think it's the wrong attention, and certainly we, you know, try to dissuade anyone. It's moving slowly down the street. Um, but that was his take that he had been controlled long enough, and he wasn't about controlled any longer, and that the only way the media would cover mind control was to, to do something really deplorable. So is it possible that there is a control apparatus within the government that utilized that out? As you mentioned, we know that these these, these uh, private contractors are implementing a lot of the actual harassment, but there could be some branch, whether it's deep within CIA or Mind NSA, your own fucking actually, business! Um, monitoring and deciding, okay, this is a perfect patsy. We're going to deploy this person as our, you know, as a, as our 
lone gunman right, or, ma or a mass shooter, whether or not the person actually does the shooting or is just blamed for it, based on, how do you say, based on basically culling the archive of who they already have available. They basically amass this population that they're targeting, harassing, and then they can, you know, with some, some, some apparatus within the government can basically choose and say, okay, we need to do an operation. This is the person we're gonna we're gonna use as our, as our fall guy for it. Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, there, there's always been that apparatus in place. You have to remember the initial studies with this were completely designed to to, to uh, create Manchurian candidates, mm -hmm. people they could send out on missions and then revert them back to their normal personality state after they had done something in an altered personality state. Well, the two parts of your brain that control those don't recognize each other and don't know each other. Right. So, you know, if I were to control you to go do a bombing and then bring you back in and as your own personality and ask you about it, you'll defend to the death that you haven't done it. Mm -hmm. You know, so, yeah, I think a, a lot of the targeting that we're seeing now probably is actually having a selection of people that can be used in that manner. And that's a scary thought. Absolutely. That, that's a ticking time bomb, as a matter of fact. Well, absolutely it is. Given the information that you've come across and the people that are being harassed, I mean, what are techniques you tell them to actually deal with the harassment and how to survive this type of terrorism? Because frankly, if you are being targeted and you're hearing voices and um, you know, you're being kept from sleep, bothering my all types of techniques are being used to stabilize your life, you know, how do you deal with that? One of the things I tell people firstly is not to not try to convince people that don't believe you of what's going on. This is so exotic. It is so creepy and so scary that even people who so make comedophobia really don't want to know this exists. It's one of those things that's kind of swept under the rug. Even though it's the most complained about crime on the internet today, um, there's nothing being done about it really, except for you know people like you that are helping expose it. Um, so one of the things, first things I tell people is, don't go off trying to convince your family or trying to convince coworkers that it's going on. If, if you mention it and they don't believe it or they question it, just let it go. There are human rights organizations that deal with this where you can vent to people who already understand you and know what's happening. Um, the more violent or the more aggressive you get in trying to convert people to believe you, the more crazy you look. And eventually that's going to sit you in front of a psychiatrist who's also not going to believe you. Well, All they're going to focus on is that you're hearing voices. They're going to put you on medications expert. and have side effects that still won't work, the targeting will still continue. Now in the case of somebody who maybe really is suffering from mental illness, you know, schizophrenia, the drugs do work in schizophrenia. Most schizophrenics, as long as they take their medications, do get better. Yeah. Um, with targeting, the psychiatric meds don't help. And, and I've seen people who have been falsely diagnosed as schizophrenic, forced into medication treatment. Uh, and then you talk to them later and they go, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still got people parking outside my house. I still got people following me. Yeah, um, and sometimes it is hard to discriminate. You know, I'm as a physician, I'm business. not going to sit here and tell you mental illness doesn't exist. NSA. We both know it does. But now we no, have technologies out there, out there that are developed business. specifically to mimic those mental illnesses. So to just turnkey diagnose somebody as schizophrenic or delusional, when we know of at least three or four technologies that can put voices in your head, uh, we know COINTELPRO started gang stalking and, uh, and what I gang actually term stalking. organized stalking. Uh, it does exist. There's too many cases of it now that I think it's time that uh, psychiatrists, psychologists take a second look. And my whole take on this and the reason for my activism in my books was been, has been that there's so many people complaining about this now that the complaints are identical, not similar, they're identical, that maybe it's time for another congressional hearing. And yeah, it's to time get for a congressional hearing. To see if this technology is being used on the public. Yeah. Unfortunately, 
we're asking the exact people that are doing it to us to help remedy it, and that's been the problem. Well, and it's even deeper problem is the fact that the police force and the local, you know, the local police force does nothing to protect people because that just shows, I guess, how in bed um, our system is essentially from the, the, the top down and its control apparatus all the way to the local and county levels of policing. And you know, one, one thing I will tell you that I was happy to see at uh, one of the local PDs in Texas, there was one lady called the police and she said, you know, my, my garage doors are open and closing on their own, my computer is you know, going off and on on its own, I'm hearing voices, it sounds like a buzz in the place, I, I think I'm being electronically harassed. And I was happy to hear this, even though there's nothing much the local police can really do to help you with that, they can certainly help with the stalking. And that's one of the things I do tell these victims. Make sure you report the stalking. There are stalking laws in just about every state. If you cannot mention the rest of the exotic stuff, they will help you deal with stalking. But this one officer did show up to this lady's house, and he said, it sounds like what you're going through is electronic harassment, and honestly, I don't know how to help you. You know, so I think there are some officers that are being educated on it now. Maybe it's from seeing some of the shows like this or maybe reading books that are written on it. Yeah. You know, I don't think they're all endemically included in the harassing uh, harassment. I think there are good officers out there that still will try to come and help you, at least not 5150 you or send you to a psychiatrist. And one of the steps that we made recently was out in Richmond, California, where we did meet with the city council out there we you know kind of pleaded the case that you know not everybody that complains of this is crazy because in california specifically a lot of these people were getting 5150 which means forced entry into a mental hospital for evaluation um the richmond city council did agree that to start a um, um basically a checklist that the police could go through where if you're not a danger to yourself or voicing a danger to others that they would instead of taking those people in would refer them to you know, organizations that can help them understand what's going through them. And that's that's a huge step. Yeah, and it seems like the whole point is that books like yours, programs like this, discussing it, making people aware of the, of the uh, targeting and the actual reality of the situation can hopefully enlighten people so that they don't um, sort of look askance or run away from someone who claims to be targeted. And I think the more people are aware of this, the more that we can actually force a shift and protect those who are being targeted, right? Yeah, and I, and I think it's working because uh, this is growing. Uh, it's not going away. It's not getting smaller. I get 10 to 20 messages at my office every morning, and they're not medical. It's not people seeking me out for medical treatment. It's people seeking me out based for targeting every day. Yeah. Every day my secretary comes back, and it's a stack of at least 20. Uh, they need to talk to you about targeting. So it's growing. And it's to the point now where I think if you talk to just about anybody and you mention, you know, have you ever heard of this electronic harassment, electronic targeting, organized stalking, just about everybody will tell you, yeah, I had a cousin or I had a sister or, or I knew a guy that was talking about that. And a lot of times they'll say, we thought he was kind of nuts, but now there's so much about it online and so much being written about it that it's got to be true. You know, and, and that's kind of what has been the goal all along. So. Absolutely. Raising awareness. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Hall. Thank you, Sean. And there you have it, folks. Some fascinating insights today from Dr. John Hall. You may not agree with or believe everything said here, but I urge you to check out his books, Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control, and A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. Remember, the road to truth is a perilous path along the buzzsaw's edge. I'm your host, Sean Stone. You are the revolution. Uh, I like this uh, mind control.
topic. I'll do a search for that.